Oh, Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba to news. Scuba Obsessed episode 326 was recorded live May 11th, 2017. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where we are certainly into the warm weather. A little bit wet, a little bit rainy, but it is definitely getting to that time of year where you need to be out there diving. Joining me this week, we have Dave Tonneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing well, Darren. Not down, not too far down the road from you right now, yeah, actually. Yeah, you, you, you've joined us in this southwest side of the state. Uh, I have. The, the weather, how's the weather been where you, where you came from? Uh, about the same. About That's the same. Not not much change. So I take it you're in you're this part of the state because you're going to be doing some diving. That is correct. Had a class today and have a class tomorrow night, Saturday and Sunday. Wow, nice busy schedule. It is good to see people getting out and uh, increasing their education level in diving and doing more diving. Excellent. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have S. Nelson that's joined us. We had uh, Jim Schultz a little earlier and also Kevin. Uh, both were going to come on the air tonight but have uh, had other things come up. So we will catch them later on. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First couple articles are going to be some follow-ups. If you remember back in, uh, I think it's India. It's, it's hard to say. Um, Kota Kinbali. Uh, a Chinese registered vessel suspected of being responsible for destroying three World War II Japanese uh, shipwrecks in Uskan is currently being detained by the Malaysian Maritime Enforcement Agency. Excuse me. It was reported that Chang Hung 68 dredging ship had illegally anchored in Johor waters after it fled from the Indonesian Authority, Juhor Tangjin City, and uh, I've, I've hopelessly slaughtered that. 7th Marine <laughs> District Captain Captain Amran Dao, uh, when con- contacted, confirmed the ship and its seven crew members were under their custody. The Indonesian had sought assistance from MMEA to monitor movement of the vessel. And the v- indiv- investigation under Section 491B1L of the Maritime Shipping Ordinance, MSO 1952, is underway, he added. Early this year, the local company... <laughs> Goodness. Ugin's Bajaya Enterprise commissioned the vessel to carry out salvaging work on three Japanese shipwrecks and proper dive sites in Uskan off Kota Balad for research purposes. What, how, how do you salvage for research purposes? <laughs> That's. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just have to have an excuse. Yeah. A controversial research project was carried out in coalition with the University of Sabine, Malaysia, UMS, and had angered the fishing and diving fraternity. Uh, the Sabah Tourism Council, Culture and Environmental Minister Daktuk Seri Masadi Manjun had then instructed UMS to stop its research following the salvage work shipwreck teamed with marine life were destroyed and gone missing. It is learnt that the Chinese vessel sailed to Indonesia and actively scavenge valuable items in the shipwreck near Ambas Island, Rau Island Province. Jakarta Post reported that on April 20th, Indonesian Navy caught up with the ship, allegedly clearing out their legal activity, but only sent a single personnel boat to guard the vessel. And less than six hours after detention, the ship fled the scene before military vessel arrived. This is when you just like to have them just you know, send a missile into the side of the boat and sink it to the bottom. Yeah, you, you took yeah, some... It- you took some some salvage off the bottom, so we're going to dive on you. Just make sure well, it's maybe, at sports depth. Maybe the Indonesian Navy didn't have their bullet in their pocket that day. <laughs> yeah. 
the Indonesian the Indonesian Maritime Affairs and Fishery Minister believed the dredger had intended on taking the cargo of S- Swedish supertanker Seven Sky shipwreck. The salvaging ship was identified to have anchored in the exact location of the shipwreck that sank in 1969 at a depth of 64 meters. That's just crazy. So, so this same vessel that salvaged three shipwrecks was also going to unload a super tanker, a bulk carrier. So it sounds it's, like all in the interest of uh, research yeah. in collaboration with the Malaysian University. Yeah, what I, what I think was going on is somebody was playing around with uh, paperwork. Hey, technically we can do certain things. It's just, you know, I think the the permit is normally meant for, like us on a wooden shipwreck. You know, you take a core sample, you pull up a couple items, right. you have them dated, and there you go. You don't rip up, you know, hundred tons or a hundred thousand tons of a shipwreck and uh, call that research. But I guess they no. they almost got away with it. I don't know. It doesn't look like they're. Uh... I mean, as of right now, just the vessels being detained. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to say. No, and the thing is, you know the guys that they have, you know, these eight or nine people, those aren't the ones who came up with the whole program. This is, they're just the ones who are stuck on the boat. <laughs> Most certainly. be interesting to see what they actually end up doing to these guys in the end and how much of a, a day in court any of them actually get. Court? What's that? <laughs> I, think, I think that's uh, where they have the nooses. Yeah. Well, I think this is Indonesia, if I'm not incorrect. I'm, I'm not sure which government it is has jurisdiction at this particular point. But if it's if it's Indonesia, uh, they've been uh, in the news recently for doing some questionable prosecuting of people. So uh, just bear yeah, that in mind right. when you when, when you Indonesia. traveled when you travel to these locations that. You cannot expect the uh, the same services we get over here. And don't salvage World War II shipwrecks yeah. with a dredger in Indonesia. Duncan Police Department dive team is offering training to purchase new gear. The department's dive team is trying to raise money for new equipment for its crew by offering their accredited scuba diving training course to other public safety agencies. Instructor Chris Perkins said the training is quite extensive in some cases broken up over several weekends and different days of the week. They're going to offer basic scuba diving and advanced scuba diving certifications in an 80-hour course over the period of two weeks. Perkins says there aren't many places to get certified in Oklahoma. The Highway Patrol conducts diving training, but some agencies send their divers to South Texas or even Florida for the special training. So they're giving departments right here in Oklahoma another option to cut down on their travel and course time. It also means we will eventually be more certified divers who can provide backup and other police departments in case of emergencies. The Duncan Police Department started a dive team in 2012 to help different emergencies in city lakes and homicide investigations. Joining a team with something certified divers and Lake Patrol Officer Chrism Hale was inspired to do. Hale and eight other divers purchased their own gear out of pocket at a cost of about $1,000 each. That sounds a little inexpensive, if you ask me, for public safety gear. It depends on what they're actually using for gear. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing at that price, uh, they're not including a dry suit. Well, keep reading. I think you get there. Okay. Uh, when we first started out, something was more that we all enjoyed, wanted to do, and wanted to be part of. He said most of the money, most of the equipment they have now is in good condition, but hoping to get enough money from their accredited course, they're going to offer to get a second set of gear. All this stuff is pretty much the same. Instead of us to get the length of the hose or whatever we need to fix the problem, we have spares, said Hale. Hale said the team now uses thick wetsuits when getting in the water. He hopes they can purchase thinner wetsuits that will help with hot and cold temperatures. The thick stuff anymore, there's any kind of summer heat, you just melt in the wetsuit. They're also so thick, cold water to protect you from the cold. When it's not cold, it's not the best thing to have. Dive team instructor Chris Perkins believes the training course will quickly grow in popularity once word get out, gets out that it's available. It makes us feel good we're able to offer the kind of training we are hoping this will be something we continue to do every year and possibly look at providing more advanced training in the future to outside organizations. If one of us is gone and we're in the area, they can help us get certified just like 
we are, and they'll be certified by the same guy. So it'll help us with them being the same experience as we are to an extent, or they can help us on calls out if we need to. Perkins said he already has some of the outside agencies interested in the course. Their goal is to get about 20 people signed up and have the first course in July. It'll cost $500 per diver. Is this... Wow. I don't... I'm not aware of many agencies. I know they do it in other things, like firearms or first aid or CPR. I know a lot of agencies have trainers. But I haven't seen too many who are venturing into actually offering certification and diving. What it, what it looks like to me is Chris Perkins is a member of the team, and he also happens to be an instructor. And they're going to be offering basically an open water, an advanced open water certification program for $500, and he's donating his services, and the proceeds are being donated to the dive team. Kind of the way I was reading it. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But there's some other things in there you look at and you just <clears throat> ask questions, the uh, comments about they use thick wetsuits when getting in the water, hoping they can purchase thinner wetsuits that will help with hot and cold temperatures. Kind of confusing. Um, I'm, my guess is, is that this is a dive team that has personnel on it that are only open water scuba trained. Right. And no training beyond that other than the informal training that the team does together. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting is that this is they're able to do some of the basics. So if they need to go down and uh, get in the the water to try and look for something or I, I, I hate to guess without knowing, but I would it doesn't knowing what like the, the, the county dive team here does, and the type of training that they've got. They've got tons of procedures that they have to follow, so it's more than what you would get out of a, a typical open water. Or if you put open water and advanced open water, they probably have twice that training beyond that just to understand what they're going to do. I mean, they've got procedures on how they recover a body. They have a procedure on how they search for something. Uh, I mean, they, they do full face masks, dives with comms and tenders all the time. I don't I don't think yeah. any of those guys ever go untethered. Yeah, and a tether isn't the answer in the end will be all to everything. Right. And it, you know it's a tool that's used and applied in situations that call for it. But some of the comments in here where they're looking to train some just Joe Schmuckatelli who can help them out when they need help. I, I'm guessing that this is small town Oklahoma, and it's probably not a formal. It may be a team that's under the auspices of the department, but it's not a formally organized team that has a lot of SOPs. I mean, it looks like they have a pretty trailer, but I, I don't know about the team. I'm just making assumptions based on the way the article reads that they probably don't get a lot of call outs. And they don't have the funding to equip and train a team. And a lot of times what happens with teams like that, which I'm not saying this team is, I don't know this team personally, they get into situations that they're a little bit over their head, and in the end you end up with a bigger issue than what you began with. But it's an interesting concept that they've got somebody on the team that's an instructor, and they're going to teach courses and use that as a fundraiser for uh, the team. Well, and and hopefully that introduces people in a positive light to diving, and and maybe they pick up some Oklahoma divers who want to come to the the Great Lakes and do some diving. Yeah, I'm just I'm a little confused, and I'm going to dig into this one a little more because it's kind of intriguing. But it mentions that it's their accredited course, which I don't know who accredited the course or if it's you know is it a Patty course, an Alley course, any of the other Alphabet Super Training agencies, or is it something that they wrote on a bar napkin one night? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I you, you're hoping that that is not the case. Uh, well, I don't know. We want thinner wetsuits to help in cold and hot water. 
kind well, of hard to say. I'm I'm writing up that that line to being the reporter, uh, maybe getting it a little bit wrong. Uh, but the, the, the 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 fact that yeah, uh, we'll just give them the benefit of the doubt, and and hopefully they're not being used that much. That this is just a, a you know they, they get called out three or four times a year, and you know body recoveries and artifact recoveries. In nice, calm, very clear visibility, warm yeah. water. Yeah. But it is an interesting way for them to raise funds, which I guess is the original intent of the article. Yeah. By providing training from someone within a department. Um, seems kind of weird, and I'm surprised that the – I'm assuming it's a city. I'm surprised that a city attorney would allow them to do that because it kind of links the department to that training, and it – it's just interesting and uh, not enough details in the article. Definitely one to look into and do a follow-up on. Yeah. And it may be, if we take a look and see the size of this organization, is it might not be a city. It could be a village or township, uh, of which case uh, maybe somebody didn't necessarily realize all the liability that's going to be there. Of course, But looking that's, at the size of that trailer, that's more than just a small town setup. Because around here, it's like every fire department, you know, all the every town has a volunteer fire department. Every volunteer fire department has some sort of dive team. And then, you know, they're the ones who do the local lakes and rivers. And then you've got the county, which does the the bigger uh, deal stuff. Uh, but, but then again, we are in Michigan, so uh, you, you can't drive more than a mile without crossing a river, a pond, a lake. Most certainly. Uh, this this next article, which it's not coming up, so we may come back to it, but that was a another follow-up. There was a Dutch group that had come up with a way of clearing out trash, and I had a follow-up on that, but the article's not coming up. So, um, Yeah, I can't get it to come up either. Yeah, so uh, let's see the website, the News Tribune, so we'll, we'll blame them. Uh, but Guiana's coming in loud and clear. Uh, I ended Can up you point in to a Ghana shark. on a map? I I can point to where I think it is, but I don't know if that's really where it is. Isn't that in uh, South America? Yeah, you know, there's French Guiana. Is this the same thing? Maybe I need to do a quick G-H-A-N-A. So let's consult the great book of knowledge. I was, I was thinking Africa for some reason. Well, looking at the flag, that definitely has a African look. Because there's French Guiana. Oh, yeah, the, you're right. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, let me see if I can pull it up. It's located in the content of Africa. Ghana covers 227,000 square kilometers of land and 11,000 square kilometers of water. Uh so here we have somebody who says, I ended up in a shark in Bahamas. So why is Ghana concerned about a shark in Bahamas? Uh, after, I think it's about the person. Oh, it's, it's the person that in the, after his blow par performance in the 2016 general election, Ivor Kobini Greenstreet of the Convention People's Party appears to have found a new love in sports scuba diving. The almond fruit Lover came close. Why? Why is? Why? <laughs> is, is that significant? Almond fruit uh, is in nature I'm, far away from Bahamas, in the midst of an untamed shark, ready to devour any prey at the least provocation. Scuba diving may not be over. Maybe Ivor's Ivor's favorite sport if he is unperturbed about the scar. He received from the hungry shark in the belly of the oceans. Wow, somebody's uh, got their creative writing going. A member, a former member of the Ghana National Rifle Association and the 2015 Pira Grand Prix competitors not letting go of his love for dangerous sports while assisting his friend in elections in the Bahamas, Mr. Greenstreet took a chance at scuba diving in the part of the ocean that only a brave will dare. In the post, the former presidential candidate wrote he had a blast, clear indication he loved the sport. He posted, I ended up in a shark frenzy. Jesus, they had to feed the sharks dead fish to divert the attention and get me out. 
Scuba diving is very great, and I made it out to tell you the story. Mr. Greenstreet clearly came close to being eaten, not by babies with sharp teeth, but rather fishes with sharp teeth. What in... This, is, this almost feels like it was written in another language and translated. The Bahamas may provide an opportune tourist site for diving to earn some money, but certainly Guyana is blessed with a large ocean that can support scuba diving. Or, yeah. But will Ivor Green Street and many scuba divers be able to dive in Guyana waters? Those are well, water- you know, the, the interesting portion of this article... Is quite obviously, as they mentioned, that he was formerly a member of the Ghana National Rifle Association and the 2015 Para Grand Prix, and he's not letting go of his da- love for dangerous sports. That's quite obvious. He ran for an election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it kind of. I didn't run a video because I'm afraid to. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I didn't. But touch I'm guessing it. it was one of those places that does the shark feedings around you, and he didn't uh, handle it well by the looks of it. But well, looking wow. at the the frame of the video, don't even play the video. Look at the frame. Doesn't that look like two scuba instructors uh, shepherding somebody who has, clearly has no idea how to dive? Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the little picture up at the top, it looks like the same picture from the opposite side, and there are a couple of sharks behind him, and the three guys are posing. Yeah. So I'm thinking he's not a scuba diver. I think he was somebody who paid the, uh, or got the, you know, instructor resort course. So here, go and out. In that image you were talking about, the guy that's on the higher end of the line, is he wearing freediving fins? They're awful long. <laughs> they, they, well, they, they've only got two sets of fins in the resort, so. And, you know, it does look like the guy in the middle doesn't even have fins on. <laughs> it does. I, it, it could just be the angle. But he looks like he's in a half-fetal position. <laughs> well, you would be, too, if you were just eaten by a shark. Yeah. I'd be chum on the waters, that's for sure. Well, okay. <laughs> well, and that leads right into your next article. Uh, the scuba club needs new members? Oh, I saw the cleanup dive. Oh, oh, mate, did I skip one? No, you didn't. But the tab says cleanups dive Sunday, and then it's scuba club seeks new members. Interesting. Wow. The title of my tab doesn't match the article. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Microsoft, they're out to get you. We'll, we'll, we'll blame them, but it was probably me cutting and pasting wrong. Uh, with ice off Lake Nipsing, the North Bay Scuba Club will jump in the water at the Waterfront Marina Sunday starting at 10 a.m. This annual event has club members cleaning up the North Bay Marina. So why in the world? Uh, yeah, that, it's, uh, this is the website SEO. So what they're doing is it's a cleanup and they're looking for new members. The annual event is a cleanup for the last 16 years. The club members removed numerous wheelbarrows of garbage, including lawn chairs, barbecues, and bicycles, as well as they have salvaged propellers and tools from the water and returned them to their owners. Last year, scuba divers put on wetsuits and jumped in the frigid water, scouring the bottom lake looking for dropped items, and they didn't come up empty-handed. Brian Baldwin, member of the club since 1973, said it's amazing what is pulled out of the lake every spring, including Plastic snakes, pipes, bumpers, windshield wipers, shirts, <laughs> bottles, sunglasses. I'm blaming the author, the, the the reporter on this one too. I think it's just how they put it together. <laughs> uh, and they talk about other things they found. Uh, we've been contacted for a variety of different things that involved an underwater activity. It's our way of giving back. The club always welcomes new members. Anyone interested can show up at the marina on Sunday at 10 a.m. or email the club at northbayscubaclub at gmail.com. For more information, check out the website at northbayscubaclub.com. My question is, if they've been cleaning up this lake for the past 16 years and they've re- removed numerous wheelbarrows of garbage and all this other stuff, don't they have the lake clean yet? <laughs> No. I mean, look how many times we've we've dove there at Niles, and it still has given up the bottles. Well, that's true, but that's a river. 
Well, yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I see. There, I'm sure there's plenty of junk in there for them to clean. Yeah. Of course, you know, Lake Nipissing could be. I'm not familiar with it. It could be, you know, half the size of Superior. Yeah, that's true too. Well, this it, it is uh, 873 square kilometers. Wow. Yeah, that is a. It's a little on the large side of a lake. On Ontario. Yeah, that's uh, no wonder it's taken 16 years and they still didn't get it clean. <laughs> I'm sure people are are uh, repopulating items for them so they won't run out. I wonder if they found any golf balls. You know, I, I don't know. I wonder if that happens in Canada. I'll have to ask a couple of Canadian friends if they find golf balls. Now, if they don't find golf balls, what would be the, the Canadian equivalent? Hockey pucks? Probably. Or it does mention they find windshield wipers. <laughs> kind of odd. Windshield wipers, don't you know? Yeah. And they apologize. Hey. Probably hockey pucks. Yeah. Dutch group says it will soon start cleaning up the ocean trash. Trash. Here, I think that calls for another drink. <laughs> a Dutch foundation aiming to rid the world's ocean of plastic waste says it will start cleaning up a huge area of floating junk known as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch within the next 12 months, two years earlier than planned. The ocean cleanup aims to use long-distance floating booms that will act like coastlines to gather plastic as it drifts on or near the surface of the water while allowing sea life to pass underneath. The plan originally was to anchor the barriers at seabeds with a system used by oil rigs, but the organization said Thursday it will now use anchors that float beneath the water surface, making it much more efficient. The Ocean Cleaned Up, founded by Dutch University dropout Boyan Slat, announced that the testing of the first system will start off the U.S. West Coast at the end of the year, and barriers will be shipped to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch between... California, Hawaii, in the first half of 2018, two years ahead of the organization's earlier schedule. The patch is a huge area of ocean where swirling currents concentrate the trash. At the ocean cleanup, we always work with nature, so instead of going after the plastics, we'll let plastics coming to us, saving times, energy, and cost. Slat, who is a shaggy-haired 22-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Did he run for political office and uh, dive with sharks, too? As the ocean cleanup, we'll always work with nature, so instead of going after... Oh, that's how I just read that. Um, wow, I think they just repeat themselves. Free-flowing barriers will begin to ask, like plastic, as they aim to snare, so cleanup will automatically gravitate to the places where plastic is, and that now causes the efficiency to be a lot higher because there's just more plastic in front of these systems, and therefore we can clean up 50% of the patch in just the first five years' time. The innovative system is the brainchild of Slad who decided to de dedicate himself to cleaning the world's oceans after he went scuba diving in Greece at the age of 16. He saw more plastic bags and fish. The young entrepreneur system is making waves among America's super-rich philanthropists. Last month, his foundation announced they had raised $21.7 million in donations since November, clearing the way for large-scale trials at sea. Among donors were Salesforce.com CEO Mark Benoff and PayPal co-founder Peter Thief, Thiel. Wasn't he also involved with Facebook, too? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, Nancy Wallace, director of Marine Debris Program at the U.S. National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Institute, said much of the garbage in the world's ocean is found throughout the water column at different depths. This could likely put some of it out of the reach of slats barriers. However, she applauded the ocean cleanup for bringing the issue to the broad public. It's more people are aware of it, more than just being concerned about it. My hope is the next step is to say what we can do to stop it, and that's where prevention comes in. The organization's barriers don't catch tiny plastic particles floating in the ocean, but Slat says that by scooping up larger garbage like fishing nets, crates, and other rubbish, they prevent those items breaking down into smaller particles that can be eaten by fish and other wildlife. Of course, we'll never get every last piece of plastic out of the ocean. There'll always be a size that's too small to clean up, but it's really about cleaning up the bulk as much as possible for as little cost as possible. Well, there's nothing wrong with the group trying to get the trash out of the oceans. No, the, I mean, every little bit will help. 
you know, first thing is don't put it in, but the stuff that gets in there, because you've got hurricanes and uh, tsunamis in tsunamis Japan. And yeah, uh, other events that are going to bring it in. So even if we don't intentionally put any in, it's going to at some point uh, find its way in. What I'll be curious to see, though, is I've seen numerous articles similar to this, but I never see an article with the results of a cleanup. They're always talking about we're going to be or we have this concept, but you never see a, you know, we recovered 74 tons of whatever. Well, the one thing I've been wanting to see, and I'm sure it has to be out there, but where are the big videos where they've gone into this garbage patch? You know, and they, yes. they, they talk about how large it is. It seems like that would be something that would be very easy with a plane or a ship just to go in and go, look at this. You know, I, I'm picturing like a floating island of garbage, yet with all the National Geographic and NOVA and these other programs, we just haven't seen that. I mean, there not there a Jacques Cousteau type who would be out there to document that? Because that would be much more effective than just, having people say you know that's out there. Right. And even if you do a Google image search on Pacific Garbage Patch, what you get are some images that are so zoomed in, they could be anywhere. You mean like most photos of street protests? Similar. <laughs> Where there's there's 18 people in the protest and there's 100 people on the sidewalks watching. But if you get that right and- camera angle... You make it look really big. Right. In each one of these pictures I'm seeing, the waters are very, very flat. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of conversation about two gyres and two garbage patches, one west, one east in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there's no, you would expect to see some satellite imagery. Right. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I just, yeah, I, I've I never I haven't seen it either. It. And if you're, trying to change behavior or call it out, it seems like there's a missed opportunity there. Uh, get some photos, document it. Uh, so. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, you keep seeing the articles about we have this concept, we have this plan, we've got funding from so-and-so. Well, and well, in this case, you know, we're, we're going to PayPal and they're providing funding, but you don't see a whole lot of stories of these big, huge projects delivering. You see little projects where, you know, you have dive clubs that go out and recover so many hundreds of pounds of of nets and stuff like that. Don't know. I certainly hope that, you know, if there is, which I'm sure there probably is, a a bunch of trash in in a big area. But like you said, there's – you don't find any photographs easy. You just find – people talking about a project and it's almost like they're advertising for additional funding. I, I, I agree. But you, you just never see them saying, you never see results from all these projects. I mean, I know you've covered articles over the last couple of years, numerous articles of groups that had projects they were putting together and they were seeking funding or they, they supposedly had funding from so-and-so and they needed more, but you never see an outcome from them. Yeah, I was right about uh, uh, Peter that he was involved with. He started with PayPal, but then he was an angel investor in Facebook with 500000 at a point in time when the company's valuation was less than $5 million. <laughs> So I'm Good guessing. Timing. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, he was their first investor, too. Uh, uh, in May of 2012, with a market cap of nearly $100 billion, uh, he sold 16.8 million shares for 638 million. Does that have to be one of the best investments of all time? Throw in five hundred thousand dollars, and then come out with—I mean, this is just what he's liquidated. Yeah, he still retains five million shares, which is worth approximately six hundred million dollars. So, yeah, he goodness, five hundred thousand worth a billion. Yeah. Yeah, there's some money there. Not bad. Not bad yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he I had take it. Yeah, he'd have, he'd have to recognize it. Okay. Well, let's see. 
I don't know if I've got any other articles that are wanting to come up. Well, while we're waiting for the next one to come up, uh, I understand that there is the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew has a dive coming up. The uh, Great Lakes Wrecking Crew meet and greet at uh, Gilboa Quarry. Um, I believe it's next weekend. I think you're right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that'll be the 19th, 20th, and 21st of May. And I will verify that. Let me pull it up. I'll verify for sure. Well, how about if I go ahead and take your Hudson Hudson River Maritime Museum hosting Shipwreck Symposium in Kingston? Sure. The Hudson River Maritime Museum will host a Shipwreck Symposium from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, May 20th at the museum's Riverport Wooden Boat School at 86 Rondout Landing. Keynote speaker Arthur B. Cohn, research fellow at the University of Michigan's William Clements Library and co-founder of Lake Champlain Maritime Museum, will also be signing copies of his new book, A Tale of Three Gunboats. Lake Champlain's Revolutionary War Heritage. Other presentations will be focusing on challenges facing the SUNY Maritime College students researching lost historic artifacts in the Hudson Valley and the threat of climate change on underwater cultural heritage. Conference fee, $45 for museum members, 50 for non-members, including lunch. And in the link that will be in the show notes that Jim puts together, there is a link to acquire more information or to register and uh, I'll add that I don't have the dates directly in front of me but the National Museum of the Great Lakes in Toledo, Ohio is going to be doing two symposiums um, that I've received information on this year one I believe was in it was either the end of May beginning of June Um, I'll have to find that link and send it to you Darren you can throw it out there um, but I know that it's they do two one-day events, and I don't recall off the top of my head who their speakers are this year, but I do remember seeing it, and I was interested. Um, I, I believe the cost was very minimal. Yes, the uh, Great Lakes Wrecking Crew meet and greet will be May 19 through 21 at Gilboa Quarry. Um they do have some campsites available uh, as room allows. There are no reservations for campsites. Oh, I didn't so realize there were no, no reservations for campsites. No. No, they've got a, a block of area reserved for their group, but nobody can reserve the sites for the weekend. But they, they make room. They'll, they figure out a way to get you in there. If you come out, they'll get you in there. Um Anybody wanting further information can look up the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew on Facebook. And there's plenty of information about uh, the spring meet and greet. They they run a meet and greet twice a year, spring and fall. And it's just a lot of people that dive in, uh, well, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Uh, There's some Canadians that have come out in the past. Um, A lot of people that get together and just dive together and, Meet new dive buddies and a lot of dives in various places. They've uh, they've put trips together, you know, people that have met through the wrecking crew to go to Tobermory. Uh, I know there was a group that went down to the Keys not too long ago. It's a good time to get together with other divers, meet new people from your area, meet new dive buddies, and uh, get some dives in at Gilboa. Excellent. And I cannot find the link to the events at the National Museum of the Great Lakes. Um, their website, I know, is inlandseas.org. And I'm sure it's on there. I just can't find it. And I'm afraid to dig too deep and lock up <laughs> the computer. Well, if your Internet's like anything like mine's doing, then it's better not pushing it. Because this next article, I'm not getting to come up either. And, and it seems to be hit or miss. It's it's almost acts like... Uh, it's not all websites at some, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of uh, internet funny business going on tonight. Well, Darren, how about Scuba Diver appeals for a re- reunion of its old club members? 
Winsford man is appealing to old friends for a reunion of his scuba diving club. Fred Chalinor, 68 years old, set up Winsford Diving Club in 1976 and has been a keen diver and instructor for 50 years. The dad of three began his passionate hobby at just 18 after being introduced to the sport by a work colleague. He was then an apprentice at Crew Works, the railway facility, and joined as a means to take his mind off work. Fred has since dived all over the world with friends and family, and he now remains the only member of his club. As a result of members retiring, passing away, or moving on to pastures new, but he continues to dive regularly. He's now appealing to all of his former diving friends to get in contact with him for a potential reunion. Fred states, when I got introduced to it, I took it up right away, and I had always been a strong swimmer, and it just appealed to me. I've dived all over the world with my friends and my wife, and it just became such a massive part of everything we did. I hope to carry on for as long as possible. I enjoy it so much because when you're under the water, it's just exhilarating. I'm the last of the bunch left around here, but I've got some wonderful memories, including discovering a second World War bomb, which was exciting enough in itself. It would be great if anyone who has been involved over the years could get in touch and we'll have a reunion. He's putting out an appeal to all former members of the diving club to get in touch with him, and it think that's a phone number but <laughs> it's, i'm it, not sure is it one of those that starts with like a zero and then two really low numbers that's oh, a zero one six zero six it, yeah. it's a zero one which is that the country code for the uk i think zero one is actually country code for the u.s but uh but it, it's country code area code and it's just the formatting of the numbers that's yeah. kind of goofy. There's enough characters. It, it looks like it's fun. Yeah. What I find interesting is they never mentioned the name of uh, the Winsford Diving Club. Yes, uh, they did. So I'm, I'm, I'm betting it's UK, so they probably drive on the left side of the road then? Yes, this is UK. It definitely looks like the UK. Uh, I will tell you that it's currently 10 degrees Celsius there, so... It's somewhere other than the U.S. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's, it's it's. Are we the only country in the world still doing it that way? Hey, there's two kinds of countries in the world: those that use the metric system and those that have been to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it does appear to be the U.K. Um, and it just—it sounds to me like he's just run out of dive buddies he's outlived them all <laughs> well i guess that's better than the alternative of not outliving them all and he looks like he's just looking for people that he's been diving with throughout his uh yeah so his 50 years of diving and just wanting to get everybody together and well, that'd be at least cool. see everybody yeah hope, hopefully he be- get he get he can find some people they can swap some stories because that's one of the best things about diving is the diving itself and the stories afterwards. Oh, most certainly. And and I can tell you that the uh, the club that I've been working to try to get going back again at home that's been around since, I, I want to say it was 1954. It was 54, 56. And trying to find any records of early members or stories of things they participated in, um, travel, trips, any of that, has been very difficult. Yeah, and if, if they didn't publish in the newspaper, and you can go back looking that way, it could be very difficult to find anything about it. Yeah, the only thing I've really found has been through the newspaper, and they were actually results of inter-club competitions that were published in a couple of newspapers in Ohio. Now, what were the competitions between dive clubs? I haven't been able to find out. <laughs> um, Who can hold their but- breath longer? That was originally one of the original charters of the Ohio Council of Skin and Snorkel Divers, or Skin and Scuba Divers, I'm sorry, was to function as mediators for inter-club competitions. And my understanding is, is that in Ohio, there used to be diving Olympics, club versus club, on a state level. Wow. I would love to um, know about that, because I, I keep trying to figure out how do you make this I mean, how do you add one more thing to diving and make it more sport-like? And it was, and from what I understand, most of the competitions were typically held in pools over the winter time, kind of a keeping everybody interested program almost. Um, 
if anybody out there has any details or information on what used to go on with that, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, I think most everybody can figure out how to get a hold of me. They certainly know how to get a hold of you, Darren. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, get it to you if it if it comes my way. But I've, I've been trying to find out, and I think the problem is, is most of the people that were involved in that aren't with us anymore, and there never really was a great recorded history that I can find. Somebody has it, I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to and picture it, the trophy. I'm just trying to picture the events. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to. I it'd be interesting. So if you if you have anything. Drop us a line at the show at scubaobsessed.com or you can go onto the website www.scubaobsessed.com. Uh, go to the contact us page and uh, leave us some information and we'd certainly love to hear about it. Yeah. Or what kind of events you put on? Okay. Well, that does it for scuba in the news. And let's see, did we lose anybody in the chat room? We have a couple guests who have floated in. Uh, we have uh, guest 8, guest 14, guest 11, and guest 13. Uh, they're asking uh, if we take calls. and uh, Not normally, not, not during the show, but if you drop me some contact information, uh, you know, we'll be able to set something up. Maybe we can do an interview or something or uh, share it other ways. Uh, can you hear me now, Darren? Yep. Yeah, I was getting a microphone here. Looks like the batteries were petering, so I had to plug it in. Still there? Yeah, just blocking somebody in the chat room. I don't have any idea what he's whining about, but... <clears throat> yeah, I, I had... Uh actually couldn't get back into the chat room. Ah, I see. Yeah. You, you, have, you always have those people going on. So. Let's see. Did, uh, how's been diving going? You get any diving in recently? Actually got a little diving in today. Uh, conducted a class with one of the sheriff's departments in this region. And, uh, we got a couple dives in in one of one of the local small lakes over in the beautiful southwest side of Michigan. Good time. Water temps coming up. And the grass hasn't grown up yet, so you can still see. Well, until we got in the water and destroyed the visibility. But <laughs> I, I like that. I uh, did you see that post? Somebody maybe it was the wrecking crew did on uh, Gilboa. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I know. I know which one you're speaking of. <laughs> yes, the uh, yeah, open they, water season has begun. Yep. <laughs> Visibility is going to go to shit real quick. <laughs> and it does. That's why you go there on Friday before they come in, and well, you've certainly. had a week for everything to settle out. Yeah. But no, actually, I uh, had a great time today. Uh, won't get into details about what department or what exactly what training we were doing, but. Uh, Good time with one one of the local public safety teams, and they got a lot out of it. I enjoyed it, and uh, got to dive a lake I'd never been in. Excellent. That's pretty much uh, the diving I've gotten in, other than I don't know if I had uh, talked to you since I did the no dry suit undergarment dive. It, it works, but I don't recommend it. Make sure you have your dry suit ready to go when you bring it to a dive site, or you end up diving just your undergarments. <laughs> I've I've done that a, a couple times, or I I guess I can't say I've done it too often. I've just dove with a little bit less than what probably the conditions required. But I have to say, in a dry suit, even less undergarments is still better than a damn wetsuit. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> got a very busy uh, busy schedule coming up uh, you know things have been busy getting prepared for the onslaught of summer which it seems like it's beginning but uh, be diving this weekend at Lake 16 doing a deep diver course running classroom tomorrow evening and then we'll be out at Lake 16 Saturday and Sunday so if anybody's in the area wants to come out come on out and then 
got a full season. Be uh, be back in Lake Michigan in two weeks to go dive to Thomas Hume. And got some stuff lined up for Lake Huron. It's looking to be a busy summer. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with Mac when he gets back on because I'm sure he's going to have some stories for us. I know Jim's been getting some diving in. Mm-hmm. Thirsty Thursdays are taking off, and we are getting to that time of the year. So if you are in the southwest side of Michigan, you want to look up uh, either Wolf's Marine or the Mud Club and take a look at the Thirsty Thursday dives will be going on. You can check out their Facebook page. Also, I believe SAS out of Battle Creek has got their diving uh, going on, which I believe they're usually Wednesday nights. And if you are in some other part of the country, why don't you drop into your dive shop and find out if they've got any organized diving going on that you can participate in. And if your local dive shop is not diving locally, ask them why. Certainly. And you can always find somebody diving locally. I, I have yet to find anywhere in this country where I can't find somebody that's jumping into the most, the most local mud holes in some places. It's just searching them out. And your local dive shops probably know who they are. They're that crazy guy that dives when the water is like cold, you know, like <laughs> it's only 60. Yeah, that, that's, that maybe that's we, we should come up with some questions that people need to ask. In January, who is still having their air refilled? <laughs> that doesn't play paintball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guide to finding the gorilla local diver. Yeah. So are you uh, getting prepped up to get back in the water now that uh, robotics season is beginning to wind down? Yes, uh, I am getting, I was just this week working on getting all my gear together. I was mowing my yard and I'm like, oh, that's where that tank went. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to get I believe to that's the, a Foxworthy joke. Yeah, <laughs> here, scuba tank. If you're mowing the lawn and <laughs> you find more than one scuba tank. <laughs> Uh, you well, might be a Southwest Michigan redneck diver. Uh, it was a lazy diver. I I filled the tank up, and I I can't remember what I had to do with the vehicle. I had to haul something in it. So instead of taking the tank all the way down into the basement, I decided oh, I'll just leave it here. And you got to be careful because if it's still snowing, you you don't want the snowplow to take out your dive tank. <laughs> and if you do, <laughs> yeah. make sure you're shooting video. Yes. <laughs> I believe I heard Kevin say something about he's got some diving planned for uh, tomorrow. And Yes, he, I, he's going to be getting on the Ann Arbor number 5, which hopefully for him it's a beautiful dive. I love going on the Ann Arbor 5. But the worst fizz I've had on there is maybe 15 feet. But I have also had, I would say, 150 feet. Uh, the wreck awesome. to, to the bottom is 160 feet. And I can remember you couldn't see the wreck from the surface. But as I came down the line, you broke through that thermal climb, and everything opened up, and it was like you were looking at a photo. Everything was so clear. Because you could even see the texture at the bottom of the lake. Because for, for those who don't know, and you'll want to go to Michigan Ship, Shipwreck, uh, Michigan Shipwreck Associates, MSRA, uh, I think if you look up Michigan Shipwrecks, uh, they'll be one of the results that come up. But it's called the Ann Arbor Number no. 5, and it was a... A uh, vessel that was used to haul train cars. So there were rails on the deck. And at the end of its life, it was used as a breakwater in constructing the Palisades nuclear plant in South Haven. Uh, as they got ready to open the plant and they no longer needed it as a breakwater, they refloated it, cut it in half, put some bulkheads in, and then were, were hauling it across the lake to scrap it. And this is the stern half. Uh, it started to leak. They got everybody off the, the boat just as it went down. And from the surface, they said you could hear it pierce the bottom and the lake shook. And when you see what it did, which it's, it actually speared in the bottom. So it's sitting at a fairly steep angle out of the bottom. So when you come down the line, when it's buoyed, uh, you, you can touch a deck at about 120 feet, uh, depending on how deep the lake is. It might be a little deeper now with the lake levels being higher uh, and then the lake bottom is at 160 feet so you've got this sloping deck and it's just beautiful it's uh got to be one of the more unique wrecks in the great lakes 
Yes, sir. And it's michiganshipwrecks.org for MSRA. Yep. But it's a fun dive. It's it's one of my favorites, but it's not – I wouldn't do it even if I was ready tomorrow because it's not my first dive of the, of the dive season. Uh, no, it's you, certainly not – it's like, not the dive you want to do for your fifth dive. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's always good to have a bailout. You are getting at the limits of recreational depth. Uh, and it's, but it's a nice one for tech divers because you you can start off. There's something to see all the way down, and I have heard rumors that you can actually get deeper than the bottom of the lake on that wreck. Those are rumors that can neither be confirmed nor denied. They just must be checked by those who are properly trained and experienced and equipped <laughs> to check that rumor. Yep. Phenomenal wreck. Yep. So if you want to see. Good to hear that. Uh, good to hear that everybody's starting to get back out. The weather's starting to cooperate. The lake is starting to lay down. We're, it doesn't look like we have a lot of rain in the forecast, so maybe it'll be time. I know that uh, there was a big group that was trying to get out on the big lake last week, and I believe they ended up at Lake 16 from the Mud Club. And I think I saw something about them talking about trying to get out again this weekend if uh, conditions were conducive. And it's starting to get that way. Yeah. We're to that time of the year where you're just trying to dive, and if you get blown off, then you just find another lake inland. So I've seen that they've done Lake 16. I think that was last week's dive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we got Singer Lake. We've got Eagle Lake. There's all sorts of lakes. We're really getting out of river diving season uh, because you got so much traffic on the rivers, it's hard to get in. Um, Mm -hmm. But it can be a good fallback plan. For those who are a little bit more adventurous and thick-skinned, I just hate getting in fights with all the uh, uh, fishermen, so it's it's better to stay out till the fall. <laughs> yep. You, you, you have to have some uh, beefy shore support when they start getting grumpy. Exactly. And it's a good time for the smaller inland lakes because the grass isn't growing up yet. The, yes. It's not overwhelmed with recreational boaters yet. But Still have good viz. At some point. I'd like to thank WRVO Radio for putting us on the air another season. If you like hunting, fishing, or the great outdoors, you'll love the listening to WRVO Radio. You can uh, connect with them. You visit our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. Scroll on down to the bottom, and you'll see links to WRVO Radio. Also like to say, if you are enjoying the program and you think it's at least worth a dollar, why not donate via our Patreon account? You do the same thing. Go to Scuba Obsessed, look for the Patreon link, and give us a dollar or two. And if you give us $3 a month, that will get you access, early access to the show notes so you can follow along as we record. And I also want to thank Jim Billings for updating the website. He's been uh, doing an excellent job keeping up on that. And this has to be a record for a while. We've done two episodes in a row. it seemed like we had a little month there where it didn't quite happen. I mean, I've, I, we've had as many as I, I would say we've probably done 30, 40 episodes in a row. But uh, you can tell we've had a rough patch when you only got two in a row is a big streak. Well, it's, you know, robotic season and yep. everybody's kids are getting to be that age. And as much as we would like to do nothing but dive, sometimes, you know, you have to conduct life so that you can get the chance to go dive. Now, now your your daughter's almost the same age as mine. Has, is she a senior yes. this year? Um, the oldest one is finishing up her junior year, moving into her senior year. Ah. But she's been very active. Uh, she's in a program where she's actually attending college for her last two years of high school. Mm-hmm. And excellent. she's she's also very involved in uh, the equestrian pursuits, I guess we'll say. Oh, yeah. And... She's actually started training a couple of people. Oh, or actual people she's She's training. It's been. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Sounds like you've switched microphones. Okay. Yeah, something happened with the USB dongle. But uh, I I hate it when something happens with my dongle. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. She's actually started training a couple of people, and they've actually had a couple of shows, and they're actually placing in their uh, in their categories. Excellent. 
Well, that's great. Yeah, because I've yeah, and then then the other one, you know, like you, you've got multiple kids. The other one's involved in. You know, right now she's going to states for discus and uh, shot put oh. and track. So nice, you got them going everywhere. Luckily, the older one has her own trailer, and her boyfriend has a truck, so she can get to the shows without me having to tow her there. <laughs> well, my my daughter's a senior this year, so she's in uh, winding down uh, the high school, and then we've got events going on like three times a week now through the end of June. So mm-hmm. that is also impacting the, the dive season. Didn't she also show horses? Oh, she shows horses big time. She's yeah. uh yeah, she, she shows quite a bit. Uh, the high school here has an equestrian team. Uh, she's on that. She shows at the fair and then uh, she's actually gotten into equine therapy. So she is really? trained in equine massage and chiropractic. Chiropractic. Okay. So yeah, I've given them some money. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so have we. We're we're hoping maybe we can get a little bit of an investment back because it's like, wait, we're going to a horse show, spending this much, and we're doing this, spending this much, and then we're hiring a chiropractor. So, but oh well, yeah. There's I, yeah. If anybody thinks diving is expensive, uh, I'll take diving over horses any day. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can't eat dive gear. It's true. Uh, if you make a grill big enough, it, it, it works out rather well. It's lean, too. <laughs> I expect my daughter to come running down here screaming at me any minute now. Uh, she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but she has that sixth sense. Well, yeah, there is that. What, do you have anything directly planned for any diving soon, or are you still just trying to get things lined up? Well, really just trying to find a weekend, uh, yeah, because we've got the graduation parties. Uh, I, yeah, I, trying to think, you know, it's prom this weekend, so that kind of takes that out of it. Even though I'm not going to prom, somehow that affects me. Well, you've got to be at home with the shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I like her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's pretty decent. Not like the other ones. Yeah. The, the, the other ones I had uh, all sorts of locations mapped out 20 miles off the coast. That you wanted to take them visiting because it's oh, a good yeah. place. Oh, yeah, sightseeing. You know, you, yeah, you, yeah, you, you got to get out in the water and, and see the world. Well, is it that time, Darren? I think it is getting to that time of the show. Before we do that, let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, you know, little bit, every little bit helps, and we certainly appreciate everybody who's donating. If you donate at a certain level, which is the Dive Nitrox level or greater, we give you a shout-out at the end of the show. And our longtime supporter, uh, Vanessa Homiak from the California area, like to give her a shout out and we also have andrew hughes uh who's also at that dive nitrox level and uh if, if you're one of the other divers and you want at least one shout out because I, I see we have a lot of supporters who aren't quite at that level who i'd certainly be willing to thank on the air but i don't know if they want to remain anonymous you know because you, you never know the scarlet letter of admitting that you actually listen to this program uh, <laughs> But if you would, we'll go ahead and give you a shout out. Maybe we'll do a special episode. Maybe the end of the year wrap up. We'll, we'll, we'll name everybody as a supporter. And we even talked about at some point putting it on the website as, as credits. So, but again, thank you, Andrew Hughes and Vanessa Homiak. Uh, and if you haven't donated, why not go on and head over there and drop a little bit in there and it helps us keep the program going. Uh, we've updated Max recording. We're, uh, also changing some of the hosting. Some of the stuff is behind the scenes. You don't necessarily see it, but the website is certainly a little bit more secure and faster on our new hosting plan. So thank you again for making that happen. So, And you get the show notes. You do get the show notes. May, eight, May 18th. Going to be giving a uh, photo editing workshop at Days Divers in Portage, Michigan. Uh, going to be sharing a lot of tips on how to get good quality shipwreck photos, the pitfalls of underwater photography, how to avoid them, 
and once you got your product, how to go ahead and edit them. And there is no cost for this. Feel free to bring a few photos you'd like to edit to work through on your own and uh, do my best to make you a better underwater photographer. Let's see. Let's bring that up. So we are to that time of the program. Are you ready? Seat belt is fastened. A, a man's wife comes home three hours too late from a party. I told my husband I would be home by midnight. I promise. Well, the hours passed. The margaritas went down too easily. About 3 a.m., a bit loaded, I headed for home. Just as I got in the door, the cuckoo clock in the hallway started to cuckoo three times. Quickly, I realized my husband would probably wake up. I cuckooed nine more times. I was really proud of myself for coming up with such a quick-witted solution. In order to escape the possible conflict to them, even when totally smashed, three cuckoos plus nine cuckoos equals, well, 12 cuckoos. Midnight. The next morning, my husband asked me what time I got in. I told him midnight. He didn't seem pissed at the least. Phew, I got away with that one. Then he said, well, I think we need a new cuckoo clock. When I asked him why, he said, well, last night our clock cuckooed three times and said, oh, shit, cuckooed four more times, cleared its throat, cuckooed another three times, giggled, cuckooed twice more than tripped over the coffee table and farted. <laughs> I think that meets criteria. That one is certified bad. It is. Did that come from somewhere down under? Yes, it did. And we I'm know who to blame. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so thank you, Rod, for sending another one in. Until next time, go out there and get wet. And support your local dive shops and keep yourself in the water, educated and safe. Recording has been completed.